a wonderful holiday weekend. I am, it is such an honor and a blessing to be able to be in this position during a weekend like this where we're celebrating and honoring all of those who have given their lives, made the ultimate sacrifice for this great country. So, so thankful for it. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a military family. I didn't grow up in a military town. So there was uh, a lot of uh, ignorance on my part even when it came to military. But having lived in Augusta now for 20 years, I have grown such an incredible appreciation for all those that serve and have especially for those who have paid the ultimate price, who have given their lives uh, to, to fight for and to keep the freedoms that we have in this country. It's such an incredible, incredible blessing. And I am so honored to, because I know enough to know that we are all standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And it's, it's such a... It's, a, it's a, uh, an appropriate thing for us to take a weekend like this and to remember them and honor them. In fact, I wanted to just, just get a, a show of hands here of anybody in the room that uh, has a family member or a close friend uh, that, that died or, or has a close family, fem, uh, close family member of a friend that has died in service to this country. Just show of hands of those that have people or know people. So there's quite a few in this room too. There's a lot of us that have been touched by uh, giving that ultimate sacrifice and laying down our lives uh, for this country. We serve, uh, our military serves to, to protect and to give us the freedoms that we take advantage of and take for granted so often in our life. And so uh, I just want to take a moment and just honor them. And, and really, I'd like to just pray and just thank God for his blessings over us. So if you'd stand with me, we'll just take a minute here and we just want to thank the Lord for all of those that have gone before us and have given us the freedoms we have today. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you today. We thank you that we live in such a great nation where we have so many wonderful freedoms. And Lord, we know enough to know that freedom isn't free. And some have paid more than others. All gave some, but some gave all. And God, we stand today just in honor of all of them. We thank you for our military for the people that serve, that are so dedicated to serving this country, God. We honor all of those that have, that have fallen. We pray your blessing on all of their families, on all of them, Lord, that, that have had to give so much. God, we pray your blessing on them. And Lord, we thank you today for our great military. We pray your blessings over our military, Father. We pray your protection over those. We thank you for your followers of Jesus that have been called into the military to be a light and to be a shining star in the military, to just let your light shine through all those men and women that serve this country. And God, we bless them today. We pray for your protection. We pray for, for your provision for each and every one of them, Lord, and for all the families that have been affected, Lord. We ask your blessing on them. God, we honor you today, and we thank you for honoring us, for honoring this country and blessing us in so many ways, Lord. Help us not to take it for granted, but to appreciate everything that's been given for each and every one of us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Yes, let's give them all a hand. Now, before you're seated, <laughs> caught a few of you already sitting. Uh, we, we like to uh, stand just in honor of reading the word. So I'm going to get right into my message. And uh, so we're going to read out of uh, Matthew 16 this morning. Uh, this is where Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. And they're walking along and Jesus says, hey, who do people say I am? And, you know, the disciples start saying, well, you know, some say you're Elijah, uh, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're one of the prophets. 
And Jesus, like he always does, he brings it home. And so we're going to pick up in verse 15. Jesus says, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the correct answer, by the way. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The title of my message today is Keys to the Kingdom. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, we thank you for this time we have together today, Lord, for everybody in this room, everybody watching online. God, I ask your blessing on them. I pray that our hearts would be open to hear your word. Lord, would you do a work in us that only you can do? Holy Spirit, come. Come and have your way in every one of our hearts, Lord. We give ourselves to you today. Let our hearts be good soil. I pray that fruit would come from these remaining minutes we have together today. For your glory, God, and for our good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, I got the keys. Nothing, no better, no better sound when you've lost your keys if somebody says, I have the keys, right? So you know, if you've been a follower of Jesus, you probably understand that Jesus talking about this kingdom, he's not talking about a physical kingdom or an earthly kingdom. He's talking about a spiritual kingdom. In fact, when Jesus is standing before Pilate and he's about to be crucified, Pilate says, hey, are you a king? And Jesus says, and I am very, very roughly paraphrasing here, but Jesus says, basically, yeah, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not from here. And it's not from over there. It's not from anywhere in this world. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And that's the kingdom he's talking about in this verse, in my text verse today. And, you know, we know if we are followers of Jesus, we know enough to know that he has a kingdom that is not of this world and that we are part of. But we also know that there's a lot of mystery about his kingdom too, isn't there? Like we know that we're going to reign with him one day. The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Jesus in his kingdom. Well, we don't fully understand what that means. There's some mystery to that, right? We also know that the Bible says that we're going to judge the angels in his kingdom. We don't really know what that's all about either. There's some mystery to that. There's a lot of mystery about the kingdom of God. We also know the Bible says that we're to pray that his kingdom would come. And I pray for that all the time. It's in the Lord's Prayer. I pray it all the time that his kingdom would come. And I know what it means to some degree in my own life, but I don't know everything about what that looks like. There's a lot of mystery in that. And because there's so much mystery about the kingdom of God, a lot of people are hesitant to join that kingdom, even though all are welcome. Amen? But some people are hesitant to join. And not only that, there's a lot of us that would say we're believers, that we're followers of Jesus, that we're hesitant to completely embrace that kingdom because we don't fully understand it. What we understand is the kingdom of this earth because we're in it and we see it every day. And so there's, and, and because we can't see God's kingdom with our eyes, there could be a hesitance for us to really embrace his kingdom. And when, he, and when Jesus said in my text verse that he's going to build his church through us and that he's going to give us the keys to the kingdom, for us that can make, we can kind of gloss over that a little bit because there's so much about it that can be a mystery. And I hope to help us solve some of that mystery today. I can't solve it all, but give us some clarity on, uh, on what that mystery is. And, you know, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to be actively involved in God's kingdom. In fact, we need to understand that it is an incredible privilege to be part 
of the kingdom of heaven. An incredible privilege, a blessing for each and every one of us. Just like we were saying during communion, it's such a privilege to be able to enter into his presence, into the holy of holies. It is a every, anything we have that, that where we can be in relationship with God, where we can come into his presence, where we can be part of his kingdom, it's all a privilege. We don't deserve any of it. You know, privilege is about not getting what you don't deserve. It's about you didn't do anything to earn that. It's just a privilege you have. That's what being part of the kingdom of God is. There's nothing we can do to earn being in his kingdom except to receive him. And you know, the master key that opens the door into his kingdom is all about, first and foremost, being able to answer the question as Peter did. When Jesus says, who do you say I am? To get into that kingdom, you have to be able to answer that question just like Peter did where he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Understanding that Jesus is God, that he came and what he did, his sacrifice was sufficient. His sacrifice was enough for us to be able to have a relationship with God. You know, a lot of people misinterpret this verse and think that Jesus said, you know, your name's Peter. Peter means rock. And then Jesus goes on to say, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Well, the, the Peter rock and the other rock that Jesus refers to, those are two different words. He's not talking about building his church on Peter. You and I both know the church is not built on Peter. Peter died not long after that. So it wasn't built on him. He was just a man like the rest of us, right? What, what, the, what he's saying here, he's responding to Peter's response to his question. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what God is going to build his church on, on the fact that Jesus is the Christ. We're building it on Jesus, on the rock of Jesus, not Peter, right? So the church is being built on Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say then, I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to use you guys. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom so that you can be a part of building my kingdom. We are all called to be a part of building the kingdom of God. In fact, we are to be ambassadors. So not only do we get to enter into the kingdom and be part of it, from then God says, now you're ambassadors for me. Now you're actually gonna go and you're gonna help bring other people into my kingdom as well. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this kingdom is not just for us. We've been given the key to unlock the door for others. Paul is, he's saying, I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you, be reconciled to God. I'm pleading with you, become part of the kingdom of God. And that's what he calls us to do too. We are ambassadors. We are his mouthpiece. This is the cry of the church. This is the church, church. This is what we're doing. It's not just for us to sit, get fat and happy. It's for us to bring other people into the kingdom, to be a major part in that. Jesus chooses to use us. It's a privilege that he would use us to help expand his kingdom. And he's given us the keys. I don't know if you remember when you were a teenager. Well, some of you guys obviously do because you still are. But uh, for us old folk, remember when you were a teenager and your dad gave you the keys to the car after you got your license? That's a good feeling. I still remember the first time I drove by myself, I thought I was as free as a bird, and I only drove about three miles. There's something about it when dad gives you the keys. Well, our, our heavenly dad has given us the keys to the kingdom. Not just for us, though. It's so we can go pick up all our friends and bring them with us, because we're all going to Sonic together to get milkshakes. It's about being part of helping to build the kingdom. So you might say, well, how does that look? Because in the past year, past 14 months, it's been a big challenge trying to build the kingdom of God, right? We're just trying to survive. 
I mean, let's be honest, over the last 14 months, pretty much every one of us in some way or another has taken it on the chin. It's been a challenge. I don't think there's an aspect of society that has not been affected by this pandemic. You know, individually, we've all been affected. And you see statistically, I don't know how much you guys look at it. I, I like to look at stats. I'm a bit of a numbers junkie, and I see these statistics, and I see individually that depression medication is through the roof. Anxiety medication is through the roof. Suicide is up. Uh, Domestic violence is through the roof all during this time. Schools, kids are struggling because of learn from home. And if kids are struggling, you know parents are struggling too. Praise God, schools are open back up, which is the way it needs to be. I'm thankful for that. The government has struggled. You see them scrambling to trying to figure things out. So much has been a challenge. And not of little consequence, the church has been affected by it. It's been affected by it very, very much. Inside the church, you see frustration. You see disappointment with God. You see uh, apathy. You see people just kind of not really wanting to, not, it's hard for them to get out of that rut that we've been in over the last year. We're even seeing it in church work where it, it's just been a challenge because so much had to be shut down for so long. It's like trying to get that locomotive started back up. You know, it's a, it's a challenge. But then outside of the church, wow, has it been a challenge because so much of the society outside of the church doesn't want anything to do with the church anymore. They, you know, I've said this many times, even over the last couple months, that for, for forever, society saw the church as having answers when there was trauma or when there was situations and crises. They, they saw the church as having the answers to their problems. Now the society sees the church as the problem. And that is not good. That is not good. And we have to work hard to change that perspective. Because that's not the way it's intended to be. And frankly, COVID-19 has exposed the holes in the church. I don't believe it's created any problems in the church. I believe it's just exposed our weaknesses. Things that we were able to mask before have been exposed now. And frankly, a lot of doctrine in the church has not held up under the weight of COVID-19. It just hasn't held up. Because frankly, there's a lot of doctrine out there that says Jesus is about making your life better. Jesus is about what he can do for you. And of course there's an aspect of that. We can't have salvation without him. But the crux, the thrust of the Christian life is not about what Jesus can do for me. It's about what he already did for me. And it's about me laying down my life for him. Amen? And when we have that doctrine secure in us, then, it's, then we don't get as frustrated when things aren't going our way because we realize it's not really about making sure he does everything I want him to do, but it's about living my life for him. It's interesting, you know, we're, we're honoring military this weekend and tomorrow, and all these people that gave their life in service to this nation. And it's funny because the people, from what I have heard and what I have understand, what I've even heard from others that have lost family members and what I've read is that people, most of the people that have died on the battlefield have considered it a privilege to die. Like, they went into it knowing that if I die, it's a privilege to give my life for my country. That it's an honor to be able to, to serve my country in this capacity. Not that they're looking to die, but, but it is an honor to be able to do that. And that's because of the, the teaching and the training they've had put into them, right? And I know that there are no recruiters out there that are trying to get people, these teenagers, to join the military by saying, listen, join the military, your life's going to be a lot better. Man, is your life going to be great. Especially if you look good and green, your life's going to rock, Right? That's not their ploy. That's not their draw. That's not their, that's not their story or their narrative or their spiel they give to people to try to get them to join the military. You know what it is? It's, hey, 
Be part of something bigger than yourself. You want to have some purpose in life? Serve your country. Be part of something greater and bigger than yourself and what you could ever do on your own. Be part of the big picture. Give your life to serve this nation, to protect the freedoms and, and all the things that we have in this country. And people go into the military, and by the, end of, by the end of training camp, most of them are bought in. They're ready to go. They are ready to serve. Yet in the church, we try to employ this idea that, oh, if you just give your life to Jesus, your life will be better. When in reality, we're recruiting people for war too, for spiritual war. We're not, we're not called to tell people, hey, join the, join the Christian army. Your life will be better. Jesus will make everything comfortable for you. It's more about, hey, you join this Christian army, you're going to be in a war. You're going to be in a battle. But boy, are you in something that's bigger than yourself. Man, you talk about having purpose in life. There's no greater purpose than to serve Jesus. There's no greater per person to ever give your life for, to lay down your life for. It's great to serve your nation, but all they can do is give you physical and personal freedom. Jesus can give you spiritual freedom that will last for eternity. And that's what's worth it. But this is why society is not being drawn to us is because we that our doctrine has not held up. And I'm not saying us like New Hope. I'm saying the church, that our doctrine is not held up under the weight of COVID. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody. I believe that what the enemy wants to use for evil, God's going to use for good. I believe we have the greatest opportunity in the church that we've had in my lifetime to be what God needs us to be to build his kingdom because we have the keys to the kingdom and that's God's heart for all of us that we would build it we need the church more than ever for those of us that are in the church we need it because we need it for encouragement we need it for uh, community we need it for uh, being together there's a there's a strength when we're connected together society needs the church more than ever whether they know it or not they need it they need the church but they need us to be what the Holy Spirit wants to use in us as the main vehicle to build his kingdom. Society doesn't need a pre-COVID church. It needs a post-COVID church. It needs a church that's dedicated and intentional about building the kingdom of God on the principles of God's word. It, the society needs a church that knows it has the keys and knows how to use them. That's what society needs. It's for us to know how to use the keys that God has given us. Because he's given them to all of us. We are all meant to have his kingdom built up in us and through us. Church, I, I hope you guys know this, but we're not meant to just get by. We're not meant to just hang on until COVID ends. We can thrive even in the midst of it. We can thrive right in the middle of it. John 10.10, 10, everybody knows this verse. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. We were created for more. That's a beautiful promise. But unfortunately, sometimes we take this and we personalize it and say, oh, that means I'm, I'm created to have more abundance in all of the physical things of this life. I'm telling you, this is, this is more about spiritual than physical. This is about being a vessel that God can use that the fruit of our life would draw people into the kingdom of God. That, to me, is what abundant life is all about. It's about being used by God. It's about having fruit that comes out of us, that, that our relationship with him will bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And I think we've probably gotten a little lazy about building his kingdom during COVID because there's so many things we haven't been able to do. We just kind of went into maintain mode. But I'm here to challenge you today, church. I'm here to challenge you that we need to be busy doing God's business and building his kingdom in our life and in the life of those that God would put in our life. We must have vision beyond ourselves and the things of this world. We can't build God's kingdom if we're focused on our kingdom. 
We can't build God's kingdom if we're just focused on our kingdom. We have to have vision for more than that. You know, the keys that God has given us are worthless if we don't use them. You know, I have a bag of keys in my office that we, we found a while ago that are old keys and they're for this building or the next building and we've tried to figure out where they go and we, a lot of them, we can't figure out where they go and I'm just determined that I'm gonna find out where these keys go because who knows, one of them might open a secret room that has millions of dollars of cash stacked in there. <laughs> and I would give at least 10% of it to the church. <laughs> just kidding, I promise. Uh, but no, I have all these keys, but I, I don't get rid of them because I think, well, you know what, what if, what if we find out one that we need? You know, as soon as you throw them away, then you feel, oh, if we only had that key. And, and who knows, some of those keys may open something that's valuable. But you don't know if you don't use them. It doesn't matter how valuable the key is. It doesn't matter what that key opens. That key could open the, the gates to the kingdom of heaven, but if it's sitting in a drawer, it's just a piece of metal getting corroded. We have to be able to use that key, the keys that God has given us in our life for his glory. And God created the church to build his kingdom. We are the church. The church we are not, it's not about, and I, I know I say this a lot, but man, this is so my heart. I, it's not about the pastors and the staff and the, the elders and people like that building the church, building the kingdom of God. Of course, we are to do that too, but we are all to do this. Jesus is calling all of us. We are all part of the solution. We all have the keys to the kingdom. It's not just people that are in vocational ministry. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he's talking about the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. That those of us that are doing this, we're actually here to equip you. In fact, in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says that our job is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So I'm here to prepare you to build up the body. It's great. So that means you guys are all commissioned. You're all empowered. You're all empowered. And you've all been given a set of keys to help build up the body of Christ. Some of you may need a perspective change when it comes to that. Some of you may think the church is just kind of about you coming and, and getting to worship a little bit and hear the pastor get up and share some Bible and some life application and then and go on my way. And maybe that's all you've really ever known. I want to tell you that that's, that's part of it. That's, why we're, that's part of why we're here, but that's, that's only one spoke in the wheel. We're called to take it and, and be intentional about building the kingdom of God in our own life too. I am here to empower you and to equip you to be kingdom builders. That's what we are. We're all kingdom builders if we will accept that call that God has put on our life. So I want to give you some keys that I feel like the Lord has put on our hearts for, the, for New Hope for you guys, the keys to building the kingdom. And this, this also coincides with the vision of New Hope that we have. But this is why we put this in the visions because we believe that these are keys to building God's kingdom. And the first one is connecting. Connecting is a key to building the kingdom of God. Connecting to God and to others. It's important that we connect to both if we're going to be part of building the kingdom. If we, we want to connect to God, we can't build or promote the kingdom if we don't know the king. You can't build a kingdom, you can't help a kingdom if you don't know the king. And I'm not talking about knowing him like, yeah, I know his name. I'm talking about knowing him. We get to know the king intimately. We have an incredible privilege. We're not just some subjects off in the distance and see him up on a balcony. We're with him. And we're in personal relationship with him. Everything builds on this. And if we miss it, we miss everything. It starts by connecting first to God and understanding who he is 
and being in relationship with him. This is the gospel. And you know, there's many explanations of the gospel, parallels, parables of the gospel in the Bible. But one that I love a lot that seems to get overlooked quite a bit is Jesus' words himself out of Matthew 18 in verse 3 and 4. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So you want to be in the kingdom of heaven? You have to be like a child. Some of you might say, well, that's easy. I've been childish my whole life. (laughs) It's not about being childish, but it's about that relationship between a child and the parent. That that is how Jesus, he's not saying that this this is one way you could do it if you want to, guys. He's saying if you want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child when you approach me. You know, when people approached Jesus and tried to act like they had it together and they were real smart and sophisticated and they just maybe wanted to add Jesus's, Jesus uh, to their quiver of relationships in their life, Jesus did not respond well to them. It was the people that came to him humbly. This is the essence of the gospel, is that we would see our complete and utter dependence on him. You see, as we, as we grow in our faith, I feel like a lot of times we get to where we have less dependence on him because we kind of know how to do it. And we almost have this attitude of like, God, I'll, I'll call on you when I need you. Like we only pray if we really need something, you know, or we read our Bible if we're really looking for an answer to something or we really need some encouragement or some inspiration. And we almost get to where it's like our dependence on him becomes less and less, which is what we do as adults with our parents in the human realm. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. As you get older, you don't need your parents for every little thing anymore. You kind of get to where they, they're more of a figurehead in your life, or you might use them for some advice, or you get in a financial jam, you might use them for that or something like that. But for the most part, you can function without them when you become an adult. In the faith, it's never like that. In the faith, we never get to where we don't need God as much as we needed him yesterday. The Bible is very clear that our relationship with him, our approach with him is always about complete and utter dependence on him. You know, when your child is really little, they need you for everything, everything. I mean, when they're really little, they need you to actually put the food in their mouth and sometimes move their jaw just so they can get it in and get it down the gullet, you know? They need you for everything. And then as they get older, they don't need you for quite as much. But man, it's, I know as a father, when, I, when my kids were little and they saw me as their hero, that was beautiful, you know? Like I, they'd come in the room like, oh good, dad's home. Dad, I need you to fix this for me. You know, dad could fix anything. And uh, a lot of things I could fix, but you know, there's, there's only so much I can do. You know, I'm sorry, son, you dropped your Game Boy in the tub. There's nothing I can do about that, all right? And the look on their face when you can't do what they need you to do is heartbreaking as a parent, right? But that's, what, that's, the, that's the attitude God wants us to have with him is that we would always approach him knowing my God will supply all my needs. My God, every, my, his grace is sufficient. I can't, I need him for everything. I need him for the air I breathe. I need him to get me out of bed in the morning. I need him to help me comb my hair. I need him to keep me safe driving down the road. I need him for every second of every hour of every day. And I tell you, the the more I grow in my relationship with him, the more I see it. I mean, this, this year has been a great year of growth for me, and I see that there's still way too much of me. And I need more of him. And praise God, he's working that out of me too. Sometimes it hurts, but it's a good thing. When we realize our dependence on him, when we realize how much we really need him in our life, it's a beautiful thing. We were never meant to be independent or even partially independent from our God. It's all about total dependence on him. 
And we're also about connecting to others. You know, we are called, we, are, we have a need to connect with others in community, to be part of the body of believers. You know, we're not meant to be an island. We're meant to be part of the community. You're here in church today. That's a great thing because that's what it's about. It's about connecting together. This is one part of connecting together as people. This is part of one of the keys of the kingdom when it comes to connecting. Is We are stronger together. We are stronger as a body. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We build the kingdom by building each other up. Paul says, build each other up. Be in community together. Connect together. Be in each other's lives. The next one is growing. This is a key to the kingdom, is growing. And you may say, well, man, this all sounds basic. So I got to connect to God and then I got to grow. Well, that makes sense. But you know what? I'd be, I'm amazed at how many of us as followers of Jesus aren't growing. How many of us are okay with being stagnant in our faith? How many of us are okay knowing that we're saved and that's just enough? God calls us to grow. If we're really going to use the keys he's given us to help build his kingdom, it's about growing. It's not just for our good, but it's also for the good of those that God would bring in our life. Because our growth causes us to be infectious into other people. You might say, well, this year has been really hard. You know, it's hard to grow during this year. Well, I would disagree because, like I said, I feel like I've grown more in the last year than I grew in the previous 10. Because it's not just about growing during the good times. In fact, I would, I would argue that we grow more in the difficult times. If we respond well, the trials and the tribulations and the testing that comes in our life is where we can really have this greenhouse effect of growth in our life if we respond well. In fact, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of people's favorite verse in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. I love it too, but I, I love it for a different reason than a lot of people do. I, I have it framed in my, room, in my office though. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Beautiful verse, beautiful verse. But you know what I love about this verse was that I, a while back I, had, I, I looked a little more contextually at this verse and I realized that this word from God given to the people of Israel through Jeremiah was actually given while they were in captivity. They were captives in Babylon. They were displaced from their home in Israel and in Babylon and, and the Lord spoke to the children of Israel through Jeremiah and said, for I know the plans I have for you. They're to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. And you know what? He goes on in that same chapter to tell them how that even looks. And I believe into the next chapter where he says, I want you to increase and not decrease. I want you to get married and have kids. I want you to have gardens. I want you to increase in your time of trial and tribulation. Don't decrease. And this is actually a time that is... is is a blessing for you if you will use it and you will respond well, I will bless you and you will actually increase. We don't have to not grow while we're going through difficult times. We should actually be growing more in those times in our life. In fact, the same prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17, another beautiful verse that many of us love in verse seven and eight. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought or in a year of COVID and never fails to bear fruit. Why is the tree not worried? Why is the tree able to bear fruit? It has nothing to do with the tree. It has to do with where the tree is. It has to do with where the roots are. It has to do with the fact that there is a stream that flows there that's never ending no matter what the weather is and those roots go into that stream 
It's not dependent on outside sources. So we're not dependent on either. Does it mean we're just insulated and COVID doesn't affect us and the things in the world don't even affect us? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means we can still flourish. We can still grow. We can still prosper during those times, especially spiritually, because those times oftentimes will cause us to put our trust more in the Lord and less in the things that we thought we could put our trust in. Like our finances that struggled during COVID or like, like our entertainment that struggled during COVID or like our relationships that were stressed during COVID. We learn, oh, I can't actually put my hope and my faith in that. Interesting. I guess I'll try God again. And when we actually put our hope in him, that's where we grow. That's where if our roots are in him, we flourish. We, we produce fruit in our life. This is where we will find that our purpose is to be found in him. And when we understand our purpose, we can really live with freedom. Because so much of our bondage is from not knowing our purpose. That's what a lot of our bondage comes from, is not really understanding our purpose in life. You know, I love teaching on freedom because I know what it's like to live in bondage. And I also know what it's like to have that revelation that I'm free. See, we don't need Jesus to set us free. He's already done it. Let me be very clear. Jesus has already set us free. Any bondage we're in is bondage that we've allowed to be brought into our life. Paul says it very clearly, Galatians 5.1. He says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's done. It's done. He did the work. Stand firm then. <laughs> That's where it gets a little difficult. Stand firm and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So we are free, but it's up to us to stay free. See, I think we oftentimes think freedom looks like, oh, it's just easy. It should just be easy now because I'm free. No. We're not free. I love what James Robinson said. He said, we're not free from the fight. We're free to the fight. Paul says we have to stand firm. We have to want it. We have to want the freedom that God has given us. He's talking in this verse, he's talking about spiritual slavery. Don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of spiritual slavery. But it's also a reference to the children of Israel being in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, right? And they were brought out of Egypt by Moses. And you know what they did when they got into the desert? They whined and complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt. All kinds of stuff. You know why they whined and complain? Because even though they were brought out of Egypt and they were no longer slaves, they still weren't free. They were not free. I love what a preacher said one time. He said that, that, that God, or that, that Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Because they were still in bondage, even though they weren't there. And it was because they did not understand their purpose. They didn't understand who they were. They didn't understand that they were God's chosen people, that they were designed to be free, that they were designed to live as God's children. And he wanted to take them into a promised land that was so much better than anything they'd ever experienced, but they didn't understand that. And any time trial and tribulation came and they didn't have water and they got tired of the quail and the manna, they complained and said, you know what, we should just go back to Egypt. We had all the meat there we wanted. Oh, by the way, you were also a slave. But when you don't understand your purpose, it's hard to really live free. Even though God has designed and created a place where we would be free. And see, the idea that we have to be free is so important, we have to understand that because if we're not free, we're spending all our time and energy on trying to get free. You can't be focused on God building God's kingdom if you're not free because you're just focused on trying to be free. If I'm a, if I'm a prisoner, if I'm part of a kingdom and this other, this other kingdom takes me prisoner in their kingdom, I'm not worried about building up my king's kingdom. I'm worried about self-preservation. I'm worried about trying to get myself out of this place. 
So God has already set us free. We just have to know how to enjoy, how to live in, and how to embrace that freedom that God has given us. You might say, well, you say I'm free, but I don't feel free. I still feel like I'm all in bondage. I feel like I got addictions. I feel like I got things in my life that I can't seem to get a grasp and get a hold of and get victory over. And I understand that. And that's very, very real. But I promise you, it's not because Jesus hasn't set you free. The only bondage that can come into our life is the stuff that we have allowed to come in. And we can still pray and ask God to help us in that situation. But I can tell you today on the authority of God's word that if you are in a prison, if you're imprisoned in somebody else's camp and you're in some kind of bondage, I promise you that prison door is unlocked and the guard is asleep. He's asleep at the wheel. You are, you are free to walk out of that prison. Now, what that looks like for us is, is different. Sometimes God miraculously sets us free from things. Sometimes we have to stand firm. Sometimes we have to choose to be intentional about embracing and living out the freedom that God has given us. But he has absolutely made us free. And we have to take hold of it. Pray that God will give you a revelation of his freedom. It'll change your life if you've never had it, or what it really looks like to live free. And then third and finally, giving is a key to the kingdom. Giving of ourselves. Being available to advance the kingdom. You know why God sets us free? It's not so we can bask in, the, in our spiritual beach, drinking our spiritual sweet tea, listening to our spiritual earbuds, and going from spiritual pleasure to spiritual pleasure. That's not why we're free. I mean, we do get to enjoy the fruit of freedom, just like we do in the natural realm. We get to enjoy the fruit of the freedom we have in this nation. But the spiritual freedom God has given us is not just so we can bask in it. It's so that we can be empowered to build his kingdom. It's so that we so that we can live in such a way that we're not apathetic, we're not just enjoying the fruits that God has given us, but we are being intentional about building his kingdom. You know that in, in Galatians 5, Paul talks about, at the beginning, about the fact that Jesus set us free. I read that verse a minute ago. Just a little later in that same chapter, look what he says in verse 13. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. He sums up the whole law by saying, love your neighbor. Give of yourself to your neighbor. Your freedom was purchased so you wouldn't have to spend all your time and energy on trying to get free, but so that you could serve others. Life is about serving others. We serve each other and we serve the church. That's a good thing. You know, we have our dream team table set up today. We're we're asking you, we're appealing to you to join the teams, one of the teams. I, I encourage you today when we're done to go out in the atrium and, and look at the teams and see if, see if your key fits one of them. But you know what? We don't have dream team because we just need help. We're not just asking you to help because we just need help. If it was just about needing people, I'd probably, probably easier just ask you guys to give more money and we'll just hire people to get stuff done. It's not about that. We have a dream team. We ask people to serve because we believe we really do find our purpose when we serve. We believe we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. If it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for us that we are more like him when we serve than any other time. And it's, it's so fulfilling to be able to give of ourselves to help build the kingdom. You building the kingdom of God in your life might be something as simple as being on the welcome team. And you might say, well, how does that build God's kingdom? Just me saying, welcome to church this morning. Let me tell you something. If you're doing, 
whatever you're doing in the name of Jesus, you can build God's kingdom. Jesus says you don't lose your reward if you give a cup of cold water in his name. You don't know what people need when they come into this building on a Sunday morning. You might be the only person that smiled at them all week. We don't know. God can touch, I mean, you, you probably experienced it yourself where God has touched you in moments in ways that you never thought he could and it was even weird, you didn't even understand it. All of a sudden you got all up in your fields and you were loving Jesus. You know, it happens to all of us. And so one of the keys to building God's kingdom is for us to give of ourselves, to serve others. And we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving. We want you to have ownership and do your part to build the kingdom. But we don't want you to do it for us. Do it for Jesus. As much as I love you guys, I'm up here today, I'm doing this for Jesus. I remind myself every Sunday morning, this is about you, Lord. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing it for the people that will come into this place. I'm glad you're here. Preaching to empty chairs would be weird. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for him. I'm serving my God. Because I love him. And he promises me that when we do things for him, he does not forget. In fact, I'm going to jump down to Hebrews 6.10. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That's good. That's a good word. Knowing that God doesn't forget when I do something to help others, that's good. Not that God forgets anything, but that, that verse is telling us that he takes notice, that he remembers, he honors it when we are faithful for him and for his glory. Don't believe the lie that you have nothing to offer. Don't believe it, church. You don't have to be super talented, somebody with a great voice or can play an instrument to be able to serve Jesus. He just looks for people that are faithful, that are willing to serve others in our life. We are not called to be consumers. New Hope will never be a consumer church. Not as long as, not as, long as I'm here. I don't believe in that for a second. We are the body of Christ. We are meant to be together to build up the body and to build the kingdom. That's why we're here. I'm glad that you guys come to hear the word and and worship Jesus together, but I hope you're here so you can get the the play so you can take it out there because that's what we're we're here to do, not just about trying to consume what we're putting out here on a Sunday morning. Amen? And I appreciate you guys, and I'm thankful that you're here, and I hope you'll go out and look at those tables and and join one of our teams because uh, we have countless stories of people like Miss Alice that didn't really, it was kind of weird. They didn't really know, but they kind of stepped into it. Next thing you knew, they fell in love with what they were doing and found purpose in their life they didn't know they had. And I know there's a fear, like, oh, if I join the team, they're going to make me do it for the next 13 years like Alice, right? <laughs> we're not like that at all. Not even close. We, if you want to serve for six months, we're, we're happy with that. We just want you to be able to find a place where you fit in to be part. All right, well, I need to close, so would you stand with me, please? I want to pray for us. Listen, church, we are all called to build God's kingdom. My my text verse, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. It will not prevail. That means we are forward moving. We're storming the gates of hell. They will not prevail against us. And God forbid that we would be content with where the kingdom of God is right now. Because it's the kingdom of God is not struggling. But the gospel in our country is not moving forward like we would like for it to. I think we can all agree with that. And I believe God's heart is that our heart would break. That there are so many people, you know, I I tell you I'm a numbers guy, I I like to look at statistics. By my recent most 
the best calculation I can come up with, at least 80 to 84% of the world is far from God. That's shocking. Billions and billions of people. And for us to be content and just hope, you know, that we can have our little click and have our own little thing, that is so far from God's heart. He gave us keys to build his kingdom for a reason. And he's commissioned all of us to do it. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. You know, when, when Noah was just a little guy, I think he was three, we went to Taylor's soccer match and Noah got lost. Was he three? Yeah. Three years old, he got lost. And uh, for five minutes, we couldn't find him. Worst five minutes of my life. I, you can't even imagine the horror unless that's happened to you. We had no idea where he was. And finally he comes, uh, another parent brought him up from the, one of the other parking lots. He just wandered off with them. He didn't know he was lost. But uh, we were terrorized, literally, for five minutes. And you know what? There was never a moment during that five minutes that me and Joy looked at each other and said, we still got two. <laughs> you know, Noah's kind of erratic anyway. It's not a big deal. We got two girls. We're good. 66%, that ain't bad. That's... Never would we say that, and none of you would ever say that either, right? The world stops until you find that child. Let me tell you something. That is the Father's heart. That is the Father's heart. Jesus said he leaves the 99 to go get that one. That's got to be our heart, church. And if you say, you know what, I want that to be my heart. I just don't feel it. I just, I'm so consumed with my own life, my own stuff. It's really difficult for me. Nobody gets that more than I do. I'm in ministry, and I feel that way sometimes. We could easily get consumed with our life. But we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded. We have to ask God to break our heart. But I promise you, you pray that prayer, it's dangerous dangerous because if God starts to break your heart for the lost it ruins you for everything else <laughs> nothing else even starts to it matters a whole lot anymore I can't tell you how things that cared that I cared about 10 years ago that I could not care less about anymore there's so much I don't care about because my mind my heart is fixated on expanding the kingdom of God and even in that I still have my moments where I can get caught up in my own thing so none of us are impervious to it but we got to ask God to break our heart why is he giving us the keys it's to build the kingdom so let's pray Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have entrusted us with the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be faithful with those keys. Help us, Lord, not to let them just sit in a drawer somewhere. Help us to be diligent and intentional. Lord, you have gifted every single one of us. Your word tells us to use our gifts to serve others. And Lord, it's not just so we can serve. It's not just so we can say we're good people. It's to build the kingdom of heaven. Let us play our part, Lord. Show us our part. Show us our role. Lord, help us to be intentional even in our neighborhoods, at our place of work, in our school, with our family. Help us, Lord. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment to be your hands and feet. Lord, forgive us for being so self-centered, for being apathetic, Forgive us for just being concerned about our own thing and our own kingdom. Lord, we don't want to worry about our kingdom. We want, to, we want to worry about your kingdom. We want to help to advance your kingdom, not our own. Help us to walk in the freedom that you have paid for for us. Help us to walk it out. Give us a revelation of the freedom you've given each one of us. Help us to see that the prison door is unlocked. Give us the courage and the strength to walk out of that door. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I pray for each and every person here, everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that you would be closer to us, that we would be able to connect with you, that we would grow in our faith, 
and we would give of ourselves for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we praise God this afternoon? Thank you, Jesus.